Welcome to Table Pop. This is Appendix A. My name is Mitchell Tini. I'm an author, I'm a comic collector, and a vintage toy collector. Um, my name is Jason Kotzegang, and I am a game designer and game publisher this week. And why I say it's Appendix A is because I guess uh, Episode 5 isn't quite ready yet. Don't have the time to play a couple of games today, so we're going to talk about some other stuff. Yeah, a few things have been on our mind for a, for a little bit, so it's less of a... Like a so episode five will be a cyberpunk themed episode. Yes, and this one is just a us talking about what we've been up to episode. Yeah, um, well, I've chosen to talk about Magic the Gathering. Some of you have probably heard about it or have seen it around. I know I definitely had before I got into it. I knew a little bit about it. I knew it was a card game. I knew there was a lot of cards involved in it. I've been to someone's house where. Their cupboards were full of magic cards, just full, thousands of them. And I kind of told myself, I'll never get into that. I think I'll I've, avoid I've told myself that. <laughs> I think I'll avoid that. I don't need to spend that much money on cards. But um, I, I, I did go for a, a holiday to see my sister in Tasmania. And everywhere I went there, well, the comic shops I went to, people were playing magic. I went upstairs to one, I don't know the name, but they had... Two rooms full of tables, people playing magic, uh, young guys, maybe uh, mid mid to late teens, maybe early 20s, all playing magic in the middle of the day, having a great time. Then we went around a couple of blocks, this was in Launceston, to a good game, and there were more people there playing magic. And I thought, while I'm here, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll ask about it. And uh, since this guy, Adam, good game was so good at explaining it. I do blame him for it. I, I went up to the counter and I said, oh, I'm interested in magic. Um, I've never played it. And he's like, oh, what color are you thinking of? I said, I don't know. Is it, is it color-based? And he went through each one, one by one, kind of what the colors do. And I thought, oh, you know, creatures or mythical beasts sound good. So I might pick green. And he sold me a green intro pack. And when I got back, uh, a friend of mine who was living with me at the time played Magic, and I said, look, I bought an intro pack, let's play, show me how to play it. I've been doing it ever since, so it's a couple of months now. So Magic is obviously like a big thing in the tabletop scene, it's been something that's kind of, it keeps comic stores alive, yeah. and game stores alive, because people, as you said, just play and play it, and it's been something that's been around for, what, 20 years now? It must be nearly 20 years, yeah. I know it came out, I think in the... Late 80s, early 90s, maybe? Early 90s? Yeah, I, th I think so. Yeah. A, a long time, at least. And it's something that people have been into, you know, for 20 years, 5 years, 10 years. And so Mitch can give us a little bit of a, a new guy's experience. Yeah, I, um, I, I actually do meet people all the time who had played it years ago. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, oh, Magic, you haven't played that for 5 years. I've got my cards around here somewhere. But um, Yeah, you had a little tournament at the house? I did, <laughs> yep. There was uh, four of us. Um, I did invite about six, four. There's a four of us at the end, and the good thing about Magic is you, it is supposed to be uh, a two-person game, mm -hmm. so one-on-one. -on -one, but you can play things that are like two against two, or three against one. You know, someone can act as like a bigger sort of dragon or a bigger monster of something, and you can all band together to fight this off. That's not very common. I mean, what you see mostly is one-on-one. -on -one. And, um, yeah, so the more I learned, 
the more I studied, the kind of, you know, obviously the better you'll get. Um, basically, it's set out in about five colors. So you've got green, red, white, black, and blue. So we're a, we're a thematic podcast. Tell, tell us about what the colors mean, Mitch. Yeah, so green, each color kind of has its own special, not like ability, but sort of an area of expertise. So green is more mythical beasts. So um, that's what I kind of lent more toward, you know, I like green, they had a lot of cool stuff, the pictures were really cool. And are they like druids and stuff? Yeah, I guess they are. They um, they don't have as many winged creatures, so you've got um, land creatures and winged creatures. So it's good to have a, 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 like a, a balance of both, because a winged creature can attack a ground creature, ground creature cannot attack the winged creature. So they've all got, you know bonuses and pros and cons about them uh red's fire so they've got a lot of evil looking dudes there a lot of guys that do a lot of damage like a lot of quick damage so they're demons they're demons uh what else are there i don't really use red that much i do have a red deck but i never use it um i started off using white which is sun and that was a lot of like pegasus and um Angels? Angels and kind of, you know, the lighter side of these creatures, which were fine, you know, centaurs and a lot of humans in it. Um, a lot of people use black, which is swamps, only because they uh, they get in and do damage quickly. They do a lot of damage and they really, um, they really get your... So you start on 20 points. So they get in there, you know, with, with uh, at turn two or three, that might have taken 10 points off you already. So you want to try and counteract that. Black doesn't have the best defense or counteract spells. So if a, if someone's using mono black deck and they come at you attacking you, you can you can easily turn the tide on them because they can't defend very well. Um, the last color is uh, blue, which is water. I've never used blue. I looked at blue. I didn't. It's mostly water creatures. It's very defensive. And I, I seem to recall they have lots of spells, like enchantments and counter yeah, spells and stuff. A lot of spells. Um, you, you could sit there with blue and just be attacked by black or red and just counter everything, block it, block it, block it. But, I mean, I looked at that and went, what, what's the use of that? You're just going to keep blocking on... And, like, once you've blocked everything, then take a small attack. I went more of a green, which has definitely got... Excellent spells, excellent defense, and really, really good attack. All the creatures are really cool. All the artifacts, all the spells are awesome. I really like using it. So I, I, I do have a, a green deck and a white deck that I, mo I mostly use. So we're, we're talking about you know theme and about card mechanics and, and all the different things. What actually drew you into Magic? Was it the pictures on the cards, or was it kind of the scene? I... I didn't really think I'd get into it. I thought I'd buy this intro pack and play it a bit and be like, that was fun. At least I now know what it's about. But the more you get in, the more you you go, oh, okay. Played I a did, couple games. I just need one more card. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I um, I was playing against a friend of mine and I thought, wow, he he has this card that I just can't block. I just can't, I can't beat it. So I looked on eBay I found an, art an artifact card that would take down flying creatures, and I bought it. And that was where it started. I mean, these cards are only like a dollar 
or $2 to send. So I bought, and you can have up to four of one card in your deck. So I bought four of them. And then, you know, I, I went to Friday Night Magic up at Ace Comics in uh, Brisbane City. Um, yeah, they're great up there. They've got tables out the back. Uh, it costs $10 to play. You get a deck at the end. And they would look at my deck and go, oh, you've, you need to get more of this certain card or this certain card. So I'd write it down. I'd get home, go on eBay. Oh, yeah, that would improve my deck. And that's, yeah, and I just go from there. I mean, I would have spent, I mean... We did a rough calculation beforehand. It's about $150 I've spent so far over about three months, which is, I guess, okay. You know, I slowed down a lot. I haven't bought a deck for a long time. Um, like, you can go to any sort of gaming shop and buy a pack. They're normally between $6.50 and 7 If there are any more, don't buy them there. There's a place near me here that sells them for, like, $12. Don't buy them. And they're just so random, like you'll op- you buy a deck, uh, uh, sorry, a pack and open it, and you might, get, you might get something that's worth a lot of money, you might get a rare card, you might not get anything, you might get stuff you already have, but people keep buying these packs to keep up and up to date, and um, because the cards you use only last about two years, and then you're not allowed to use them anymore. That's one of the downsides of Magic. So, uh, we're, M- Magic is a collectible card game, that's the... The acronym people use, CCG, and it's something that's been around for a long time. And like, it's really attractive for kids because, you know, you, you, you can buy a pack that's not very expensive and you'll get something good. And there's that little bit of kind of gambler's luck, that little bit of magic mm. when you open it and you're like, oh, I got a thing. I got a free Mars bar. Yep. They, I think each pack has a foil mm. card in it. So you look, oh, wow. And, 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 and the way they advertise the intro packs is they put the foil card at the front. Mm. So when you see it, might be a um it could be any creature that has it's massive in attack massive in defense and it's a foil and you just look at it and go i want that card so i'll buy it and what some people do is is they buy full um retail packs so as in full counter display units that have you know one of each card so they make sure they get all the things and they sell what they don't want yeah so you can you can get a list you you could say to yourself oh I want to create a red deck. You could write down every card you want and go to the comic book shop and say, I want this, and they'll have it, and they'll make it for you. So they have binders full of cards, and they'll go through and pull them out. The cards can be $0.10, cents, $0.05, $0.20, upwards, you know, $1, $2, $6. So basically what you are, you're a planeswalker. I didn't quite know what that was when I started, so... What so I, uh, a planeswalker, this is your, your, your dude that you're playing. Yeah, this your... is you. You're a planeswalker, which is like a wizard or a sorcerer. And you are doing battle with another planeswalker. So you're using creatures, you're summoning creatures and you're summoning spells and using artifacts and weapons and that sort of stuff. I don't know why we're battling yet. I haven't read any of the magic books or the mythos or mythos about it. Wizard fight. If you see another wizard, you've got to fight them. Yeah, I think, I that, think that's a rule. I think that might be it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so you're fighting, you, uh, you bring out a... So what, you have a 60-card deck, approximately. You can have a bit more, a bit less. It's up to you. 20 of those cards are land cards, which is what you draw your magic from. So the more... So 20 are land, you know, so 20 might be... 25 might be creatures, and the rest will be spells. But 
but what you can do is um, focus your deck on maybe bringing out more land, or some cards can be used as land. Stuff like that depends depends what you want to do off your deck, really. Mm. So we want to talk a little bit about Magic this time, and in the next few episodes we're going to talk about a few different types of card games. So this was a CCG, a collectible card game. We'll also talk about LCGs later on, which are living card games, and they differ in the fact that they're not a collectible model, that you don't open a blind thing and maybe get good cards, maybe get bad cards. Everybody can go to a store and buy a pack and it has the exact same cards. So there's no random chance about what you actually get. And so the only thing is that there's probably right now, if you want to get into an LCG, you have to spend a couple hundred dollars to get up to date with all the card packs. Whereas if you want to get into Magic, you can spend, you know, 150 or so in order to be able to come competitive. Yeah, I guess um, my 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 decks do need tweaking. Uh, last time I was at Friday Night Magic, I went in with a black deck because everyone was using black. I thought I'll go in and see if I can actually get up there in the top four. Uh, I hadn't tested it. Mm-hmm. I just sat there and I built it and I, I put out all my creatures and see how much they cost. So lands or mana... Um, they might cost two mana. So I'm like, okay. I kind of remember what people told me. You don't want to use ones that cost six mana because you won't get that out for a couple of turns. And I built this deck, and I took it in. And and once you start playing, you can't swap decks. You have to use that deck for the entire night. So I went in, and I got absolutely slaughtered. Only because as soon as I started playing, I went, there's nothing wrong with this deck. I keep getting spells. I keep getting stuff that I can't use. I'm not getting enough creatures. My creatures are too high up and costing too much to bring out, and I'm not getting the land. So the first game, you know, it's it, you, pay, you play three games, and then you move on and you swap people and you go play someone else. So I thought, oh, maybe it's just that one person. No, I went to the next person. I lost again. So it's definitely important to um, to build your deck and test it before you go to Fire Night Magic. You can you can buy the best deck you know, mm-hmm. in the world if you want to spend 100 200 bucks on it. But it's also knowing your cards. Mm. That's my biggest problem is reading these these cards and making sure I know what they do before I bring them out. I, I, and I've, I've played a game and lost, and there was people standing around me going, you could have won that if you used this card then, and then this card. It's just that I didn't read it properly. And it's very important to know your deck. I, my first green deck, I knew inside and out. I knew exactly what every card did, and that was quite helpful. Um, so as the game progresses, you kind of go, okay, this guy is or this girl is holding off a bit and not attacking, so I might bring out some stuff, um, maybe to attack, or maybe to maybe they're saving up to attack me in one big go, so I'll I'll hold off. So you definitely know your cards. You can buy random cards and use them. I mean. Someone told me that the winner of the last Magic tournament um, won with a $20 pack deck. I mean, there are guys at Friday Night Magic who have, like, a $150 deck. So we'll, we'll, we'll track Mitch's development into Magic and see how far he gets, how much he spends on cards, whether he, you know, needs to sell the house in order to be able to um, top eight it. <laughs> um, and we'll do that as we go, and we'll also couple cover a couple of the other card games and maybe see if we can wean him off. 
wing me off. Yeah, I haven't played for a while, but I am I'm itching to play. And once you get started, six games in, seven games in, you're like, okay, I'm just done the warm up. Yeah, we can. Maybe we should stop now. Let's keep going. You know, the more people you play against, everyone plays differently. Is that enough of magic? Yeah, enough of magic. Um, what I've been doing is that my Kickstarter is finally live. It's up. It's on the internet, and you can go and have a look at it. There's a couple of videos and stuff. Check it out. Um, it'll tell you how to play, what the game's about. Um, show you pictures of dice. Yep, and you got a couple of videos up there. Yeah, there's yeah, a, there, I there. checked it out. It's good. Yeah, was it easy to put stuff on Kickstarter? Uh, not super easy. No, okay. no. That you you have to do well. There's a fair amount of work, you know, making sure that the videos are kind of the, the right codec. I have to do some different things with encoding, but let's not get into those weird things. Um, let's actually talk about the game. So, what is the game? So, the game is Hedron. It's a uh, a space strategy war battle game played with polyhedral dice. And by polyhedral dice, I mean those funny dice that don't just have six sides, that have multiple sides, from four-sided all the way up to 20-sided. Yeah, so what, what is a hedron? Uh, it's a, a hedron is a super-evolved, super-advanced energy space being. Wow. Um, so the hedrons that you control in hedron, um, they're each different factions of these energy beings. All the energy beings in the same faction are the same color, and you have a hedron of each different size. And these hedrons go throughout space, and they find other hedrons to fight, and then they fight them. Well, so is that is that the general theme of hedron? Yeah, so the, the theme of hedron, I guess it kind of started from Star Trek. I know um, Mitch is a big Star Wars fan. Um, I like Star Wars. <laughs> like, I do. I do generally enjoy it. Okay, good. <laughs> but um, I... I I'm more engaged by by Star Trek, especially ne- next gen. You, you might cool. change your mind once the new movies come out. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe there's just too much bad blood there with the prequels. <laughs> but the, well, the, the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek is that Star Wars is space adventure. It's not really science fiction. It's it's Star space Wa- opera. Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's an adventure story, but they just happen to be in you know space. Yeah. Whereas uh, Star Trek is very much science fiction, you know, it is involved with dealing with ethical issues and moral issues around technology yeah. and, you know, where we'll be in the future and how we treat different people and, you know, what it is to be human. Is the Star Trek sort of policing the universe or are they like peacekeepers? They're, they're explorers. They're explorers? They're, they're mostly explorers, but sometimes you have to fight guys because guys are jerks. Yeah. So th- that's kind of where, I guess, the idea of a hedron is. Because they go out, they explore things, they encounter other other creatures and other races, mm. and it tends to be that everyone's kind of a jerk. Like, you, you very rarely encounter someone who's like, that's a nice guy. Sometimes it happens. In hedron or? In Star Trek. Star Trek, okay. You go and, you know, for some reason, this giant crystal space cloud wants mm. to kill you. Yep. Or this um, energy electric being that has somehow entered your ship wants to kill everyone to get out or wants to kidnap the captain. Is that the Borg? Uh, well, the Borg are cybernetic organisms <coughs> that... Well, the Borg are cybernetic organisms that want to um, make everyone like them, essentially. They're kind of cyberpunkish. Um, I guess. Yeah. I guess. What's Q? Uh, Q... That's one person, isn't it? No, yeah. uh, the Q is a continuum. Okay. <laughs> so it's the Q are like a super advanced, super evolved, mega evolved, <coughs> mega advanced 
race that can manipulate time and energy and create different sorts of reality. And essentially they um, just like go, go into Star Trek vessels and just fuck with people. I watched one, or I watched a bit of one a couple of weeks ago, and Q was in it. Yeah. And they he, weren't too happy about him. Being yeah, there. he just turns up and he just starts fucking with you for no reason. <laughs> he just thinks it's fun. But it seems to be the same dude every time in the place. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's the Q that likes messing with them. Okay. Other Q just like hanging out. So was it difficult to create the mechanic behind Hedron? Um, I actually kind of started with the mechanic. That's where I started with because I wanted to have something that would use polyhedral dice, Yep. because I have a lot of polyhedral dice, and I wanted to do something that people could print and play, Yep. so you could actually go to your computer, print out a couple of pieces of paper, and play the game. Yeah. So I started, I started with kind of, okay, these are dice, how can I make them move around the board, how can I make things happen? And I kind of started with a mechanic, and the theme came after that, and then just lots of playtesting, lots of development, lots of iterations, until we got to the final version. Did you play test it a lot before it went to your Kickstarter? A lot, yeah. I know I play tested it a bit. Yeah. Um, I won. You did win. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wish I kept track of play tests. I, I, oh, I thought you did. Oh, I, I did keep track of data and stuff, um, and it depends on the different iterations. Like, if I was just trying out something, then there was no point in recording the session because, you know, it would change again slightly. I'm just seeing if the mechanics work. And then you kind of coalesce things. Mm. So different iterations have play playtest data. So, but it, I don't know exactly how many times I got it to the table. So you found the whole playtesting experience more positive than maybe, like, was it worth your while to playtest it? It probably would, like, ironing out all the crinks and stuff. Well, it's it's something that you you, you have to you do. have to yeah you have to do it. it. It's it's like you know you can't write a novel and then just go okay I'm sure it's fine. I do that all the time. You've you've got to go back and reread it and yeah. edit it. Yeah, you got to do drafts, edit, and then someone will get a hold of it and go. This doesn't make sense. You're like yeah, you're right. That doesn't make sense. And I, I guess um, game design is kind of like that, but it's so much more interactive that it's not just about the world in your head. Yep. It's about how that world comes through in play. Yeah, I mean, people could think of uh, maybe loopholes or something that you hadn't thought of. And there's before. also things like, okay, this totally makes sense. This makes sense in my mind. Mm. And people start playing and like, I don't understand how that works. Was it, um, how long was it when you like first had this idea like, oh, this could work or maybe I should do a game like this? To, to being on Kickstarter. It wasn't very long, was it? Um, I started um, end of last year, so it's nine months maybe, maybe 12 months. Yep, so it's up on Kickstarter and it's funded? Yeah, it's funded. Uh, we funded uh, around the second day. Second day funded? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that unusual. Really? No. Okay. Generally, if you have people jump on board, um, and of, of course, like, you know, you tell all your friends about it and your, your friends start backing it. Um, the we're doing this slightly differently. Mainly with Kickstarters, what happens is that you make a Kickstarter and you ask for fifteen to twenty thousand dollars because what you need to do is you need to make uh, fifteen hundred or two thousand copies to print in China, and then you have to put it in a big steel container and then get it to somewhere and then start shipping them out from there. Whereas what I'm doing is I'm doing print-on-demand stuff. Yep. So um, stuff is actually getting printed in America, mm-hmm. sent out to American backers sent to Australia, and I'm sending it out from there, and the American people also sending it out to the world. So you, you have a distributor in America? Yeah, uh, a manufacturer and distributor. Okay, cool. So they can get it. So so American people did um, back your... Yep, 
Yep, so they're going to get it printed and shipped straight to them. Yep. So when when do you think that would happen? Um, the timeline will be essentially Kickstarter finishes, takes a couple of weeks for all the things to happen and for the money to actually get to me, okay. and then I place the order. That takes a couple of weeks, and then that ships out, so that takes a couple of weeks. So we might get it before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, you'll definitely get it before the end of the year. I've I've said November. I want to try and get it late October, but November at the latest. So what are we now? You'll get it before Christmas. Mid-August. Yeah, yes, that's, that's good. That's a good time frame. People could give it for Christmas presents. Yeah, yeah. It, it, will, de- it will definitely be here in November. Did it evolve much from um, the first sort of like, you've got, okay, now I've got a game, play it, and then you show, you know, your wife or someone, look, this is, check out this game I played to what it is now. Did it evolve much? Yeah, I, I remember the first time I, I showed it to my wife and I actually had uh, three different versions in different levels of complexity. Okay, yeah. So there was like the basic version, the more complex version, and then the there was like basic, advanced, and full hedron. So like full, and I kind of um, blew my mo- wife's mind a little bit, but not in a good way. And she's like, it's too complex. I, I don't know what's do- doing. I don't like it. And so then I went back to the drawing board, and I started again, and I, I simplified it, um, went back, played it with different people. Did I play a complex version? Um, you probably played one of the medium versions. I didn't find it overly complex. I think it was just that nice sort of like, okay, explain that again. So after the first or two times you play it, then you have, you like pick it up more. One of the things that I really wanted to do was make it, um, reasonably intuitive to play. So I have to explain the rules. Yep. Um, but once you get the rules, you can play the game and know what you're doing the first time you play it. You don't play the game and then get to the end and like, oh, now I understand it. You should at least have like, yeah. a good fighting chance. No, yeah. After you move the first couple of dice, you're like, okay, now I know kind of movement, attacking. It also has cards, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, I found the cards quite a good um, sort of addition to it because I could look at my cards. So your opponent doesn't see your cards, mm-hmm. and I had the sheet so I could look and see what they did. So there's one that explodes. Mm-hmm. So I had that, and I remember I'm trying, I've got to try and find a way to get right in the middle of all your dice. So I, I thought, oh, you're never, never going to know what I'm doing. And that's, and I, I'm pretty sure I killed one or two of your guys doing that. So you never really see what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I really liked it. I found it more of like a, a space chess. But Yeah, that, that's what a lot of people say. They, they kind of compare it to chess because it's got, you know, that kind of energy being theme. But it is also, you know, kind of quite abstract. You are playing around with dice and moving them around the board. Yep. So there's a lot of kind of movement of pieces, and there's not too much extra complexity on top of that apart from the cards. You know, you don't have to keep track of a like a research tree or action points or any of that other stuff. Mm. So, if if someone went on Kickstarter and bought the the actual the full game, mm-hmm. does it come with dice? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's a, a a few different pledge levels. One is just like the better version, so you'll just get like a a simple version that you can play now and see whether you like it. Yep. Then the next version on top of that is a full digital version, so you'll get the version that's there now to try it out, see if you like it. But you'll also get extra maps and and all the other things that we'll get as we kind of get more backers. Yep. So there'll just be a couple of maps available at the start, and once we get more backers, then I'm going to start doing more and more maps. So more people means more people are playing. It's it's more worth my while to 
make more things. Yeah, I remember the first couple of times I played it, it was on a, just a straightforward printout sheet. Mm-hmm. And then you, I think you'd gone to Japan or China? I, I went to I went to Japan. Japan. And, and I did not get those things in Japan. No? I actually ordered them in America and I went to Japan and by the time I come back, they arrived. Okay. So when you brought them over, they were the actual printed yeah. proper tiles, yeah. which um, I really found it put me in the... Sort of, it, it, it put me in the game because you know you've got like a space sort of thing on the tiles of print, and yeah, I I really like the uh, the whole look of it. Mm. So yeah, if you get the full version, um, you'll get um, tiles with a variable setup, so you can actually go through and you know you can create different maps. There'll be a few recommended ones, but you can you know mess it out, create what you want to create. Um, you'll also get dice for the full stuff and the full cards, so you can you know, play with the cards and do all the things that you want to do. So do you have the, what, like, I, I was on my, I, on my iPad or something upstairs. I didn't have the address. So I just wrote in Hedron, uh, Hedron, sorry, H-E-D-R-O-N. Mm-hmm. I wrote Kickstarter, Hedron, enter, and I found it. Yeah, you, you, the, there's a couple, there's one um, company called Hedron that's also making a deck box. Yeah, so I don't, don't go to them. Don't click that one. Click no. the one that says Polyhedral Battle Space Dice. Yeah, it'll have your name there. That's how I saw it. It was like the third or fourth one um, when you Google it. It was pretty, um, yep, straightforward. Took me straight there. So you still need people to back you? To yeah, get yeah, in yeah, there? yeah. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, so like what I'm more interested in in you is not getting heaps and heaps of money. It's more in getting people playing the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And all over the world, it's great. Yeah, yeah so um, I've had you know backers from um, the Netherlands, from really? Malaysia, from America, from Australia. Does that mean you have to print in different languages? Uh, no, most people will work it out. Um, if it does, you pop and go really, really good. There's you know a really good community of um, people who are interested in games, and a lot of people do translations for you for free, which is fantastic. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I think we're probably about ready to wrap up. Yeah, sounds mini pod. Mini, mini Appendix A. Appendix A. There'll be more appendixes to come. Yeah. yeah. More appendice. Appendix. Appendice? I, I don't know how you say that. <laughs> uh, appendices? Appendices. There's a right way to say it, and we're saying it all the wrong ways. Well, we'll probably record one on Tuesday. Yeah, so... Today's Sunday. So you'll get a, a couple really quick a together. Oh, you're very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, well, we have been away for a little while. I mean, we've been going... We've been pretty busy doing stuff, so we'll try and make it a bit more regular. It's a bit hard to get people over to play the bigger games and um sometimes we just don't have time to play some games because they go for 45 minutes or an hour and yeah and we like we want to play the games that we play for the pod because they're they're all very you know themed around one thing yeah but we also want to play all the other games that we have and our friends want to play with us yeah so cyberpunk will be next i'm very excited about that yeah i enjoyed researching it but we'll talk about that next time anything else um, check out the Kickstarter. Yeah, check it out. Let us know. Um, a table pop pop at gmail dot com. Um, roll, yeah. roll high or go home. Pop pop. <laughs>